Good to see everyone here. My apologies for missing Bible study and coming in late. But uh, this morning I got a call that we had environmental, uh, we lost power to our environmental systems. And, and uh, that's an area that I find documents responsible for certain things. And uh, I, I look good in solid shirts, not striped. And uh, so I, I felt like I needed to, to head out. And uh, so fortunately, I think that situation is taken care of. And it's amazing all the little things that can happen in life. So uh, today I want to uh, bring a lesson, and um, it's one that I have to have all the time, and, and sometimes Sandra says, yeah, you need to work on your attitude. And, and the good news is, I'm not any different than most Christians. I am aligned. We all have issues, and we all can get where we're, wow, you know, Woe is me, and I've got this burden on me. And one of my favorite stories in this, from a godly perspective, is going back to Elijah. And I named this, this lesson Finding Peace. And probably finding peace and happiness as a Christian. And we should be that way. That's We're, we're called to find that. And so go to 1 Kings. 19 uh, verses 9 through, uh, we'll read there a number of verses to kind of get the context. We're going to start out here, we're going to end up in Philippians. But this is Elijah. Remember, Elijah is dealing with Ahab and Jezebel, two of the worst people. They're the, they're the second, third worst people in the world. I still think their daughter is worse due to the fact that she killed her grandchildren. And so I, I always rank her as the worst. Anybody that can kill grandchildren, I figure uh, they're a lot worse than anybody that can just kill prophets. So, so uh, my apologies, I needed some water. Uh, so Elijah's in this atmosphere, this very caustic atmosphere. <laughs> And, and so let's start reading. In verse 9, Then he came there to a cave and lodged there. Behold, the word of the Lord came to him, and he said, What are you doing here? Elijah has gone into a cave. And I just think it's interesting that he's gone into a cave. You know, we, we talk about that, and I wonder if it's from this lesson. You know, I, I actually say, Hey, that group has gone into the caves, and, and we've got to get them out. We've got to get them out. And uh, verse 10, he said, I have been very zealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the sons of Israel. And uh, Israel have forsaken your covenants, torn down your altars, killed your prophets with the sword, and alone am I, and I alone am left. And they seek my life to take it away. He's got a real complaint here. Jezebel has committed to killing him. Uh, Ahab, everybody, nobody wants Elijah around. Verse 11. So he said, Go forth and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord was passing by, and a great strong wind was rendering the mountains and breaking in pieces the rocks for the Lord, before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind, and the wind, uh, and after the wind an earthquake came, the Lord wasn't in the earthquake. After the earthquake, fire, but the Lord was not in the fire, and after the fire, a sound, a gentle blowing. Then when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his, 
so there's this gentle wind. That's where the Lord comes. And I think it's interesting that the Lord's coming in this gentle wind. Because we think of the Lord coming with power. But he's coming in this gentle wind. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entrance of the cave. And behold, a voice came to him and he said, What are you doing here, Elijah? Then he said, I have been very zealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the sons of Israel have forsaken your covenant and torn down your altars and killed your prophets and swords. I alone am left and seek, and they seek my life. So he repeats the statement. Notice what the Lord tells him. The Lord says in verse 15, Go, return your way to the wilderness of Damascus, and when you have arrived, you shall anoint Hazel king of over Aram, and Jehu the son of Nimshi, and you shall anoint king over Israel, and Elisha the son of Shaphat, uh, and y'all pronounce that long word, you shall anoint as prophet your, in your place. He gave him three things to go do. He said, get out of the cave and go get to work. But let's make sure we realize here's a great prophet and he's downtrodden. And so he's downtrodden. The last thing I want to point out in this passage is Elijah didn't know what God saw. We don't see what God sees because in chapter, in verse 18 here, he says, yet I will leave 7,000 in Israel, all the knees that have not bowed to Baal, and every month, month that has not, and every mouth has not kissed him. Elijah didn't realize there's 7,000. What he's saying, hey, there's still a lot of people following me. Get out of the cave, get back to work, do my will. I can be like a life. We can all become a life. But God's telling us what to do. So, let's turn down, turn over to the New Testament. 2 Corinthians 11, verses 22 and 28. Now, what I'm trying to develop here is you see, we see Elijah in the Old Testament. But we're going, to go we're going to go see what Paul tells us to do so we don't get in Elijah's position. But we want, I want to illustrate to you what's the fire that Paul is walking through on a day-to-day -day basis. So 2 Corinthians is being written about six years before Philippians is being written. So before Philippians is being written, he's already encountered all this stuff. And while Philippians has been written, he's on house arrest in Rome. He's already been shipwrecked several times since then. And so he's already dealing with other problems. And he's in house arrest. He's not freedom. He does not have freedom to go on another missionary journey. He does not own his life. He is waiting For Rome to decide his destiny. He is not in a good place. 
But so let's let's see where Paul is in 2 Corinthians, and let's just see what he's walking through. So people are calling Paul into question here. And Paul is giving a physical defense. And there's some hard language around this, and I cut, I'm going to cut all that out. But the point is, Paul's given a defense of what he's gone through for the gospel. And, and the point is, I, I'm not here to study 2 Corinthians. I'm just here to show you what Paul has gone through. So they're calling, he's, in verse 22, he says, Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they descendants of Abraham? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? I speak as if insane. I more so in favor of more labor, in far more imprisonments, beaten times without number, often in danger of death. Five times I received from the Jews 39 lashes. Did you catch that? 39 lashes, five times. And he actually says up above, he says there's times I got whipped without number. Um, three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. At, at night and a day I've spent in the deep. I have been in frequent journeys, in dangers with rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from countrymen, dangers from Gentiles, dangers of the cities, dangers of the wilderness, dangers of the sea, dangers among false brethren. I have been in labor and hardship through many sleepless nights and hunger and thirst, often without food or cold exposure. Apart from such external things, there is the daily pressure on me of the concern of all the churches. Paul's pointing out here, I got all this. People are questioning Paul, and he's making a physical defense. My point here is, look what Paul's going through for the gospel. So he's writing 2 Corinthians about six years before he, he writes Philippians. And so if you want to say it's five, four, I'm not going to quibble. We, you know, people put the, the, the books there. But the whole point is we're pretty sure I mean, he's in Rome and in the house arrest. So now let's go over to Philippians. Let's look at other things he's dealing with. In Philippians, the first chapter, verses 15 through 17, some, and in 15, and he says, some to be sure are preaching Christ even for envy and strife, but some also from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that they pointed for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition rather than for pure motives, thinking to the cause of distress and my imprisonment. He's pointing out there's problems in the church. There's good and there's bad. Do we see Paul's got problems? So go to Philippians, the fourth chapter. I urge Judea, uh, and I urge Sintich uh, to live in harmony in the Lord. Here's division among members in the church. They're not living in harmony. And he's urging them. The point is, are there problems? Is Paul dealing with problems? He's just like Elijah. Now he's got all this on him. And so let's, so the rest of the lesson. So we've established we've got problems too, right? They had problems then. 
So if I got problems and I got issues, I can go climb in a cave. Now we've already disproved that with Elijah. So let's see what Paul says and let's see what we need to do as Christians. Each and every one of us. No one is exempt from this. If you've never had a downtime in your Christian walk, please come tell me how you've done it. Now remember, I'm going to ask you a thousand questions because I'm going to really try to understand it. But I would bet nobody's coming to see me because we've all had that day. How do we prevent from having that day? How do we serve God and not get disheartened? How do we do that? Paul tells us. So let's figure it out. So number one, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Now, that is the same thing, and I could force my children to paint a smile on But I couldn't force them to be happy underneath. That passage right there has just told me I'm supposed to be happy as a Christian. And I used we you know we used to do our children. We used to say they come away from something and we'd say, give me five good things. We were forcing them, but that we couldn't force them in their heart to be where we wanted them to be. But we was trying to teach them there is a way to get there. So this is a commandment, you're supposed to do it. We're supposed to do it. Now let's let's read further and see if we can figure out. It's interesting that verse 5, let your gentle spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. Gentle spirit. This is a tough one for me. And I have to back myself back and to have that gentle spirit. So that is a task. He just gave us a task. One of the things, we need to have a gentle spirit. And I think the reason he tells us to have that so we can identify the problems, we can understand where we are, and we can get people to help us. Verse 6. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be known to God. Here's an action. Do you see what he just told us to do? Be anxious for nothing. You're not going to solve all your problems yourself. I've said it once. I've said it ten times. I'm a problem solver and I'm going to solve my problem myself. Well, I got news for you. I got problems. I have problems. I got to get the grammar right. I have problems in my life and Sandra and I figured out we can't solve them. We can't force certain things to happen. So there's prayers. And am I humbly going? And I think it, the supplication uh, that it talks there means to be doing it humbly. It's turning it over to God. So if I'm not going to be, if I'm going to rejoice, I've got to have prayers. I've got to be turning my problems over to God. I need to be saying, God, show me the solution. God, Help me find the solution. God, take this problem from me sometimes. Okay. 
There's nothing more that I do enjoy every day is solving problems. That makes my life worthwhile. If I don't solve a problem every day, I, I don't feel like, I mean, I, I enjoy that. But the older I get, I figured out I can't solve all of life problems. And I've got problems. And I'm not going to share with you the problems because I'm working on some issues within my family right now. I can assure you that every day Sandra and I talk about it. And we pray about it. And I don't do enough of that praying. And I've got to do it humbly to be giving these problems to God and asking Him to help me solve those. So the other day, we were, we were, we were working in, on an issue. And, and so I'm going to tell you a little bit of... I worried about this for two or three weeks. And so I finally called the individuals I needed to talk to, to to share what I needed to, you know, some dealings we had. And we've been praying about it. And I figured the solution could go from here to here. Now, I'm not through with this problem, but I, I've done the first step. But the whole point is, if, if left is bad and right is good, it was on the other side of my hand here. And I could not believe the response. It was a humble, it was a good response. It was a congratulatory response. We got to work through this and we understand. That's positive. But what did Clay do? I was anxious for three or four weeks. So whenever I'm up here preaching this, I got live examples that occurred this week inside my family but the point is is I did pray about it but I, was, I still had that anxiousness and that's what we got to quit doing because the anxiousness takes us away from God that's the devil and it, it, it does not let God reveal the solutions to us and every one of us has got these problems Every one of us. And they're different size problems. There's not a single one of us that doesn't have a problem that we need to be solving and we don't know how to solve it. Let your requests be known to God. Here's the beauty. And whenever we do that and the peace of God which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds of Christ, Jesus. I can't explain this because it's beyond comprehension. This is one of those, this is one of those verse, verses that Sandra makes me mad about. Twenty-two years ago, I reckon 22, 23 years ago this September, this, this, whenever we get to September, I am not a crier. I am somebody that bows my back and I get mad. And 23 years ago, that was even more emphasized then. But Heather got bit by a ground rattler. I was driving. <laughs> 
15 miles from out of town. Heather in the back seat, 90 miles an hour trying to get her to the hospital. Sandra was called. And I, 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 I never cried. And Sandra says, I understand that verse in Philippians. And she told me where she was praying. And she said, that peace came over me. She says, I gave it to God. Now that frustrates me. <laughs> I didn't get that peace that day. Now it turned out well. That's, that's the good news. It was two or three days of, of issues. <clears throat> but that's our faith. And we've got to, and, and, I, and I've gotten there over the years. There are certain things I'm just not going to change. There are certain things God's not going to, He's not going to make everything right. But i got to have the faith that I can have peace in God no matter what happens. And that is a key verse there. And that's a hard one. I just gave you a story where I, that was tough for me. Verse 8, I think it's very important. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is good uh, repute, if there is any excellence, if there is any worthy of praise, don't worry about those dwell on the bad things. Is that what it says? It says dwell on the positive. Dwell on the positives. This is something I've learned. I'm learning still, and I'm working on this. But notice Paul is telling the brethren here. And notice we saw all the problems he's dealt with. But how does he keep his mind straight in, in serving God? He's dwelling on the right things. Now that doesn't mean we don't bring up, we got this problem we got to go solve. we got to solve problems. But what do you dwell on? Have you made yourself sick? Have you laid awake at night? I still, whenever I read these guys, I still lay awake at night. That says I haven't perfected this. Because what am I doing whenever I wake up in the middle of the night and I can't go back to sleep? What am I dwelling on? Dwelling on the problem. Now I'm learning the devil helps me go back to sleep because I start praying or I get my Bible out and I start reading it and he helps me, you know, the devil's going to help me go back to sleep. Because that's what he doesn't want me working on. Are we dwelling on the good thing? There's many negatives Sandra can dwell on with me. Fortunately for me, over the last 31 years, she's taken time and dwelt on a lot of the positives. My job is to make sure she has more positives to dwell on. But every day, so one time in our relationship, and I'm using our relationship, I would come home and she'd fuss at me. I finally sat her down and said, honey, 
It's no fun coming home if you're going to fuss at me every day. So guess what she did? I get the, I mean, back then, it, she started trying to be more positive to me. It's nice whenever I get a text. I appreciate your hard work. Thanks for you doing that so I can go buy Baker more clothes. That was a joke, guys. Baker being the new grandson. If you dwell on the negative, so be a little Pollyannish here, you will truly find it. And so Paul says, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, we can go through. There's a whole lesson to go through and to discover all of what Paul's talking about there. And how do we do that? How do we train ourselves to dwell on those things? Verse 9, then the things you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. The things you have heard, learned, received, and heard, practice these things. Now, none of us have met Paul, so we haven't heard it, but we've heard his writings. We're studying his writing today. So he's telling me in, chapter, in verse 8 and verse 9, dwell on these and practice. It's not easy whenever Sanders frustrated with me for her to hand a compliment. But she's practiced it. I've had to practice it back. So how do we, and notice, all of this is about us. It's not about me doing it for you. It's about us doing this. How do we keep ourselves out of caves? God just told us, you got to have prayer. You got to hand it to God. First, you got to go hand it to God. And if you dwell on the negative, then that's where you're going to be. But you've got to dwell on the positive. And one of the things you've got to dwell on sometimes is, is dwelling that Christ died for me. I get to go to heaven because Christ died. Paul had all these problems that he illustrated. I don't think any of us has been as bad as Paul. I'd like to see your back if, it, if you have been. Now, figuratively, we've all been beat up. But Paul kept his attitude right. And he's telling us, you do it with prayer, handing your problems with supplication to God. And that's going to give you the peace. You've got to dwell on the good things. Sandra told the story one time about this child and, and she was reading his family and, and they adopted this child and, and worst child ever. They were like, what have we done? And the mother wrote down and finally said, you know, he came out one day, one morning 
and he had his hair combed right. And they praised the child for combing their hair right. And she said, from that day forward, we were able to move the child where we wanted to go. It starts with small things. You know, it's, it's, it's small things, but it's got to be, we've got to dwell on the good things. Now, I'll get up here next Sunday and preach a lesson that we don't let problems slide under the table. But you, we got a problem solved. we got, we got to continue to keep sin out. we got to continue to work in Christ in the church. But we can become negative men. Um... And I, and I think chapter 9 is so important, I mean verse 9, is so important, is that we have to be practicing, and we have to know what God wants us to know. Are we spending our time in Bible study? Are we coming together and trying to learn what God wants us to do? So that we can practice it. And, and, I, and, I, and I propose to you, Verse 9 lends you to believe whenever he says practice these things, you don't get it right every time. That's why we have forgiveness. But if we're not studying God's Word, we're not trying every day, if we don't wake up and do something for God and learn His Word, we're not going to know how to practice. Because the devil is going to tell us how to practice. He's going to tell us every day. So the lesson for today is we're going to find peace and happiness. We've got to pray. We've got to do it humbly. We've got to focus on the positives. And we've got to study so we can practice what God wants, to do, wants us to do. And, and I'll, I'll give you a hint. In my life, whenever I get in the cage, and I, and I share this with my children, whenever you get in the cage, the example that Elijah, that God gave Elijah, just get out and start working. And, and the, the thing I add on there, go work for somebody else. Go do something for somebody else that needs help. And you know what? You'll get out of the cave because you'll figure out you're not as bad as you thought. Somebody else was worse than you. Whenever you get out there and start helping people. So as Christians, let's go out and let's find our peace and let's find our happiness. If there's anyone here that needs to obey the gospel, if there's anyone here that needs the prayers of the congregation, we are here for each other. That's what we're here for. Please come as we stand and say.